What's up, guys? Today I'm going to boldly go where I have not gone before. It's going to be fun. It's going to be controversial. It's going to get you thinking, which is the whole point of the podcast, to challenge you to take the steps necessary to get to that seven figures club and beyond that only seven, maybe 5% of business owners ever get to. So today's topic, boys and girls, why? COVID data analysis is key to growing to seven figures and beyond. How I finally took a deep dive into the CDC COVID data. Oh no, oh no. And what I found, it's gonna blow your mind, how digging into the data and KPIs, key performance indicators of my business has doubled, may actually triple our business this year in 2021, and how you can implement smart data analytics into your business. Let's go. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S., and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Dang, I'm, I'm getting more excited just talking about this. You know, today's uh, world, there's controversy, there's polarization, there's extreme you know, positions on every side of every topic, and probably none of those topics is going to be more controversial and mo- more polarizing than the COVID-19 data, the vaccine, what it all means for all of us. It's just mind-blowing stuff, my friends. So over the weekend, I finally had had enough of hearing from one side to another side. Fox News says this, CNN says this, MSNBC says this, The Wall Street Journal says that. I listen to podcasters and entrepreneurs, all with their own spin, all with their own position. And everybody's so very certain that they've got 100% of the truth, that they know exactly what's going on. And well, the rest of us are very lost and just don't get it. And so nobody ever actually seems to pull up the actual data from the CDC. So this weekend, I said enough is enough. I will pull out this CDC data and we will find out what is fact, what is fiction, and most importantly, what does it all mean? Because most people just pontificate and they share their little BS in their brain and they call it fact, but very few people actually take the time to go through the data. And at the end of this podcast, I'm going to show you why 90% plus of business owners never break a million dollars a year because they don't understand their business's data and the key performance indicators that are going to grow your business. And that is also why the majority of the population have no idea what's true and what's not. They don't know what really moves the needle in terms of political decisions and policies in our country. So let's dive into the facts. Now, going to the CDC, covid.cdc.gov, forward slash covid slash data, well, hyphen data, hyphen tracker, demographics, tells us this, the facts so far, and these numbers are as of October 2nd, so they'll be slightly higher into the future. But as of October 2nd, 2021, in the United States of America, there are 43.5 million, so 43,500,000 
COVID-19 cases that have been reported. Keyword reported, but that's what we've got. So that's what we'll go off of. Total COVID deaths, all ages, as of October 2nd, 2021, 698,672. So that's the total deaths, all ages, in the United States of America that's been reported. Total mortality rate, all ages, according to that data, is 1.6% of the population. So very, very worst case scenario for the entire population, there's a 1.6% chance that you might die of COVID-19. However, however, if you dig further into the data, you'll find out that the mortality rate, if you are under the age of 65, is much, much lower. How much lower? Well, how about significantly lower? Basically, based on the data that we've got, and we don't have all the data breakdown of the 698,000, but we do have data on 565,000 of the deaths. Basically, out of 565,000 deaths, 441,000 of those deaths come from people who are over the age of 65. And a very high percentage, it just increases, are above 75, and an even higher percentage are above 85. So we're seeing that the vast majority of the deaths are happening in people who are older, who are probably have a lot of other factors like cancer, heart disease, obesity, um, lung issues, accidents, etc. I'm not telling you anything you probably don't know. As we get older, the odds of death increase. That's how life works. So the bottom line is, out of all those deaths, only 124,000 of them happened to people under the age of 65, and most of them were over 50. So the odds for the majority of the population having a significant issue with COVID are very low. How low? Well, that, my friends, depends on how accurate the data is we're getting. How likely do you think it is that COVID cases are underreported? Do you think every single person over the last you know, nearly two years who had COVID symptoms went and got a test? I know lots of people that didn't. I bet you do too. Is it very possible that 50, maybe even 100% of COVID cases have not been reported? I think we all know that's very possible, isn't it? So if it were 50% of the cases have not been reported, maybe there's actually 65 million cases in America, maybe 87 million cases because half of them have not been reported. It could be even more. The next question is how many hospitals have been incentivized to count deaths as COVID deaths to receive government payments, which may have inflated COVID death numbers? Well, it's not rocket science. I know if I'm running a hospital and I know if I, you know, someone comes in and, and they have heart disease and cancer and they die in the hospital, but I run a COVID test that says they have COVID and the government's going to pay me an extra twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. Am I going to do what's best for my hospital, for my doctors, for everybody involved, for the shareholders of the hospital? Even though they probably, the real underlying cause of death was cancer and heart disease, what would you do? We can all sit on that pedestal and say, oh, I would not put COVID. But bottom line is if I'm making more money, I have to do what's best for my family, my hospital, et cetera. 
I might be tempted to go ahead and, hey, the COVID test is positive. I'm going to put COVID down and now I'm going to get extra money, right? How many of us would really not do that? Don't lie to yourself. A lot of us might. Now, some of us who have, you know, tremendous values and principles might not, and, and I applaud those people, but I also can see the other side of it where if I'm running the hospital and if I, you know, COVID was, they did have COVID. Was it the main contributing factor to death? Probably not. But if I'm going to get an extra 20 grand for our hospital and increase my bonus at the end of the year, my profit margins, I mean, it's pretty tough to say no to that, right? So what I'm getting at is cases are probably much higher and where COVID was the main contributing factor of death, probably much lower. But worst case scenario, absolute worst case scenario based on the data, we're talking about 0.45 of one, 1%. So less than half a percent is the very top end mortality rate that you might have if you're under the age of 65 of dying of COVID less than half a percent. However, however, if the cases are underreported, which they most certainly, probably, the odds are in their favor being underreported, are if the COVID death numbers are actually a whole lot less in terms of COVID being the main contributing factor to death, then that mortality rate under age 65 could be as low as 0.14 of 1%. We're talking a minuscule, very low number. But worst case scenario, it's less than half a percent. And then on top of that, it's probably closer to 0.1 or 0.2 of 1%. We're talking about one-tenth to two-tenths of 1%. A very, very low amount. Those are facts. That's CDC data, my friends. So, well, what does all this mean? Well, basically, if you look at uh, flu data over the last five years, it looks like the average total deaths in this country based on flu are usually about 41,000. Is that number accurate? It could be lower than that, could be underreported, could be a lot higher than that, but it's 41,000. So COVID is definitely a lot more deadly than the flu for older people who are over age of 65. So we've known this from the get-go. People over age 65 should be taken care of? Does it make sense for them to get a vaccine? Absolutely. Should they potentially wear a mask? I think there's a case for it. This is based off of data and logical conclusions, but if you're under the age of 65, your odds of having any issues if you're healthy are very, 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 very low. How low? Well, my friends, based on 2019 data, the number of people who died of an accident, like for example, a car accident or any accident, was 173,000, okay? The number of people who actually died of COVID in 2019, very, very, very low. In fact, I'm gonna go ahead and get you that information so that you've got that information as well. And basically it looks like about 105,000 people under the age of 65 in 2020 died of COVID, all right? So a very, very small percentage. And what that means is 173,000 people died of accidents, only 105,000 under the age of 65 died of COVID in 2020. And so what that means is you're almost twice as likely to die of a car accident 
as you are to die of COVID. Let me say that one more time. You are almost twice as likely to die of a car accident than you are of COVID. So bottom line, those who are under the age of 65 are nearly two times more likely to die in an accident than, than by COVID. Those over age 65 are more at risk. They should be more careful and improve health through diet and exercise. Yes, vaccines helpful, but my goodness, you might want to take care of your health. Diet and exercise, supplements, getting the right things in your body, taking care of yourself. Again, if we really cared about people, where are our leaders at telling us to improve people's health? I haven't heard anyone say better take more vitamin D. I haven't heard any leaders of the mainstream media say, well, we all need to get in a gym. Let's not shut gyms down. That's going to increase our health so that people don't die. Okay, those under age 65 have a low, low mortality rate and are generally not at risk. We're talking about 0.1 to 0.45% of 1% of 1% have a mortality rate. Therefore, shutting down economies, closing businesses, and ruining lives appears to make zero logical sense based on the science and the data. COVID-19 cases are likely much higher in the COVID death numbers where COVID was the main contributing factor in death likely much lower, thus the mortality rate is also probably much lower. Mortality rates from all death, now here's where it gets interesting. Prior to COVID in 2019, the total U.S. mortality rate out of the entire U.S. population was a little less than 1%. It was 0.87 of 1%. So almost 1% of the population was going to die no matter what in 2019. Based on 2020 data, that increased from 0.87% to 1.02%. We're talking about 0.15 of 1% mortality rate increase because of COVID. 0.15 of 1%. Was there an overreaction? You tell me. Is 0.15 of 1% increase in mortality rate worth everything that took place in 2020? Did it really stop the virus from spreading? Did it really make a difference? Was it worth all that? You tell me. You tell me. All right, my friends. So now let's go ahead and ask one more question. Does the fact that the average age of Congress and senators, average age of Congress, Congress people, 58 average age of senators, 63. If you are a congressman or senator and you're in that danger zone, a lot of them over the age of 65, how are you going to make decisions? Are you going to make decisions different based on the whole population or based on what affects you? Can we really be surprised that senators, congresspeople, all of these you know, ruling class leaders, they're in the, the danger zone? Well, of course they're going to make laws and policies that affect them the most to protect them the most. Not surprising, but was that best for everybody? Was it best for the vast majority of the population? I think a lot of people would argue no. No, it was not. So there we go, my friends. This data is available. If you'd like me to share it with you, then uh, go ahead and, and reach out uh, through the podcast. You know, send a, send a, a text message uh, if you want to uh, 
385-309-1178. That's 385-309-1178. And I will share this Google Sheet with you. Additional information and data. In the last 40 years, VAERS, which keeps track of negative vaccine reactions, over the last 40 years, the total amount of deaths of all vaccines, all vaccines over the last 40 years has been 10,000. So we're talking about 10,660 total deaths from all vaccines combined over the last 40 years. According to various data report, as of, it looks like, uh, I thought this was as of uh, October 2nd, total deaths was 8,202 total deaths from the COVID vaccine. Yet before that, all the other deaths from all other vaccines was 10,000. So that tells you that if there's 8,000 in just the last year with the, you know, we're not even at a year right now in terms of the COVID vaccine uh, being out there, it's been less than a year. In less than a year, you have almost the same amount of deaths that took 40 years for all other vaccines combined. So what does that tell us? It tells us that yes, because the vaccine has been given to, you know, well over 100 million people in the U.S., Yes, there's a low likelihood of death and issues. However, it's way more dangerous than all other vaccines combined in the last 40 years. That's Those are the facts that the VAERS and the government website give us. So, but if you're over 65, I'm guessing most of those deaths happen to people that are over the age of 65 looking at the state of Utah. That's what I saw. So again, you know, and there are, there are side effects that can happen to people that get uh, COVID that you should take into account as well. So I'm certainly not advocating against vaccines, but I am telling you the facts, the data, per the government website at VAERS, right? So that's the data. Now, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people make the decision that, uh, you know, it's almost sixes, you know, you get the vaccine or not, and you're under the age of 65 and you're pretty healthy. You know, either way, the odds of having a negative reaction are probably pretty low. The odds of having an, getting COVID and having long-term side effect negative reaction also very low. So it's about the same. So if you getting the vaccine, it may or may not, you know, I'm not seeing a really strong case for it against it if you're under the age of 65, but uh, overall the odds of having any negative reaction probably pretty low. So again, this is data. This is fascinating stuff. Now, how do we bring this back in to you as a business owner? And I guarantee you that most people have not looked at this data. It's available to the whole population, the whole world. It's right there. And the one good thing about US government data is it's much more likely to be accurate than someone like China, who has a narrative that's controlled very strongly by their government and their political communist party. That data is very likely to be inaccurate. This is probably pretty accurate data that you wanna be able to keep in mind as you're doing that. So bottom line, how does digging into data and KPIs, how does that double and triple your business? How has it doubled and tripled our business? Well, for example, the key factors, the key you know, items that we look at in our business are number one, how many fu you know, funding leads are we generating on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis? How many new funding clients are signing our agreement and moving forward? Of those funding clients, how many of them get funding? What's the average amount of funding they get? What's the average amount of funding, you know, success payouts that we receive per client? 
how many funding referral partners do we have you know what is what can we do to train them all of these things are key performance indicators that we track and most business owners that never break the seven figures level don't go through the data just like most people when you know going through hey what's happening with covid what are the facts what a reality what does it all mean they don't take the time they don't dig into this it took me a few hours to dig into this on a sunday afternoon and it was very enlightening and i really enjoyed it and if you don't dive into the details of your business you're going to be clueless you're going to be making bad decisions and you'll continue to be part of the 93 percent of business owners that never ever break seven figures so when i started to break down our data we started to figure out well which of our you know sales team is closing at the highest ratio they probably deserve to have more leads which of our funding partners should we spend more time working with that are actually submitting deals that get funded right which of our you know um funding sales funnels and that was the next thing right i started to create uh sales funnels to recruit and teach people how to build a funding empire from home that would grow our business that would grow their bottom line I started to also work with, uh, look at the our funding funnels. Which ones are converting more people? Are the ones with video converting? Yes, they are. We should probably do more videos. If we customize the sales funnel, put the logo of our funding partners on there, is that going to increase results? All of these things are data that can be measured and then decisions made based off of what that data or key performance indicator is. So in your business, there are key performance indicators. If you're a plumber, how do you generate leads? How do you know which leads are best? Which ones make the most money? Do you have referral partner programs? Do you have strategic partners who have, already have your clients? What is your closing ratio? What are things you can do to improve that closing ratio? How can you McDonaldize or systematize your entire business model so it grows? How do you train your people? These are all indicators and data that you can track if you're going to track it you're going to need a crm a client relationship management tool you know a lot of people swear by by uh, salesforce but i find salesforce to be not that great but zoho is awesome so we use zoho as our crm and so what you must do is you must have a great crm that you can use that is going to help you get data figure out where your best clients and customers are coming from. And that's why other products like ClickFunnels are very valuable. You know, and I just got back from uh, the ClickFunnels Funnel Hacking Live, got our picture taken with Russell Brunson, got our two comma club award on the wall here. But he's great with his ClickFunnels software because it tells you, you know, when someone opts into your sales funnel, what percent of people are opting in. What percent of those people take the next step? What percent of people buy your first offer? What percent of people buy your one-time offer upsell? These are all data things that you can measure. You can have MailChimp and measure what your data is there, which email subject lines are opening, which of your trainings that you offer, your affiliate partners are getting results. Are people interested in learning more about all of these things make a massive massive difference in you being successful so that's what you must do in order to implement smart data analytics into your business you must have a crm you must have key performance indicators in terms of customers clients sales closing percentages uh, online sales funnels that you have 
affiliate partnership programs, all of these things contribute the way you, you know, online posts that you have that get traction, that generate business. If you're doing a marketing campaign on Facebook, you need to have marketing data that's separate from YouTube marketing data that's separate from organic stuff where people just go to your website. All of these things need to be tracked and then you can make decisions based on facts and not, oh, I think it's this or, oh, because I think this, the market agrees with me. No, no. The data and the market are separate and you must listen to the data and you must have key performance indicators. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you saw the importance of digging into the data and how it makes a big difference in your life as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. God bless you. Have a great day. Get into the data, make great decisions, and join the Seven Figures Club. And we'll see you on the flip side of the Seven Figures Club podcast. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.